Well, peace of mind. How valuable is peace of mind? I was driving down the road earlier this week and I saw it on a billboard. Just that phrase, peace of mind. And, you know, insurance companies and, and different, different entities will try to sell you peace of mind. And that appeals to us because anxiety is a huge problem. Anxiety is something that all of us will struggle with at one time or another. Maybe this morning you have something that's making you anxious, something that's causing you to worry. Maybe you were laying awake at night last night. You had a hard time sleeping because something was on your mind. Maybe a concern for the future. You don't know you didn't know how something would, is going to turn out. Maybe even now, even this morning, as you're coming here to church, this is still on your mind. and You, you can't quite get it out of your head. You're, you're anxious about something. The total cost of anxiety disorders annually, each year in the United States, is estimated to be between 42 to $46 billion. That's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. So that tells us anxiety is a, is a big problem and peace of mind is worth a lot of money. And yet in spite of how many dollars are spent on therapy sessions, anxiety medications, research, it seems like the best that, that the world's medicine can offer and the, the therapist is, they want to help you cope with anxiety. And how can you get by? How can you deal with it? You know, cope, cope with anxiety. But you don't see as many people being so quick to offer you the cure to anxiety, help you overcome anxiety. There, there's a hesitation there because I think people recognize, even medical professionals, that they're not all powerful and that people are anxious oftentimes for silly reasons, <laughs> but oftentimes for good reasons. Oftentimes there are, there are things in this world that can cause us to fear and to be anxious. And even the medical professionals are not powerful enough to change the way things are. So we might try to distract ourselves to, to deal with you know, fight or flight responses, to, to limit the amount of cortisol that is released in our bodies that might cause a, a panic attack. You know, take a, a mental trip to a tropical island, practice some deep breathing. And these things may be, may be helpful to, to help us avoid a panic attack, for example. But can we do better? Is there, is there more help to be had than just to help us cope with anxiety? Can we have a, a cure? Can we get to the root of what's making us anxious, what's making us worry? Well, friends, there is a God who made us, who holds the universe in his hands. In all of the circumstances that we will face, 
He is sovereign over them. Mars and Jupiter exist because he spoke them into being. And he knows all about our minds and the things that trouble us most deeply. The things that medical professionals are desperately just trying to wrap their minds around, even as they deal with their own anxiety. This very God cares about us, and he cares about what worries us. He cares about our anxiety, and he has spoken to us in our anxiety, in our worry. He has something to say to us this morning. Jesus cares about your anxiety this morning. Will you listen to what he has to say? Please turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. We'll be looking at the the second half of Matthew 6 this morning, starting in verse 25. And if you're using one of the Pew Bibles, you can find this on page 761. Page 761. Matthew 6, starting in verse 25. And we're going to be looking at most of the rest of this chapter, down to verse 34. As I was, I made a last minute decision last night to save part of this for next Sunday. So we're going to focus on what it means to to live seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. There's a lot in that. And so we're going to save that for next Sunday. And I'm excited about that. But this morning, we're going to focus primarily on what Jesus says, how he begins to address our anxiety and our worry. Last Sunday, Jesus spoke to our ambitions, you know, what we hope in, what we, where we lay up our treasure, what we choose to invest our time and our resources and our energy in. In this Sunday, he speaks to our insecurities and our fears about living life in this world. You know, will, will our needs be provided for? How will that test turn out? What will the results say? How will I deal with this relationship? What will I say to this or that person? He speaks to all of our worries this morning. If you you have your Bible, please follow along as I read in Matthew 6. Jesus says, starting in verse 25, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food? and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows 
that you need them all. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Well, before we jump into considering how Jesus comforts those who are dealing with anxiety, let's, let's take a closer look at that anxiety itself. We see that Jesus understands it. That's our first point this morning. Jesus understands the anxiety that grips us. The anxiety that, that grips us like a powerful hand, like a force holding us back, like chains tied around our ankles when we would, we would, we would run and, and pursue the life we were meant to live. Something's holding us back. Fears, concerns, troubles, like being handcuffed, chained up, trapped. Anxiety is a powerful thing. You know, we get anxious, anxious for many reasons, and among those are things such as our jobs. You know, will we have a job next week? What if we were to lose our job? How would we provide for our family? You know, is, is our employee even, or our employer right even now thinking about firing us? What would we do? Where would we go? Maybe we're, we're anxious about test results coming back. We don't know what they'll say. We're waiting on a phone call from a doctor. Every time our phone rings, we kind of jump and we, we wonder what news he will bring us. Maybe we're anxious about how we'll get through school. Seems like there's so much work to do and, and you're just having, you're just struggling just to keep your head above the water, you feel. Maybe you're anxious about some mysterious pain in your body. You're afraid to go to the doctor. You're afraid of what he might say. Maybe you're anxious about the future and about what you'll do in life, about maybe finding a husband or a wife. No, where are they? Where are all the, all the girls? Where are all the guys, you know? And you don't know if, if maybe, what if, what if God had a life of singleness ahead of you? How would you, how would you bear that? What would you do? And you, you're, you're anxious. Does, does my father really know how, how much I desire to be married. Countless things can trigger our anxiety. Jesus mentions just a few here, but we know that the mind of him who knows all things, he knows intimately every single thing that will make us anxious even today, that has made us anxious this past week will make us anxious next year. He knows them all. Here, here, though, Jesus mentions food, clothing. What will we eat? How will we put food on the table? How will we provide? What will we wear? He knows that for many, our, our thoughts and our time and our energy are consumed with these things, just fulfilling our basic needs in life. Many, many people go through life and they don't really think much more about 
about life and what the meaning of it all is. They're just so focused on getting the next paycheck, on putting a little more in their savings accounts. And they don't take a step back to think, why am I doing this? What's the purpose of it all? And Jesus asked this question in verse 25. He says, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? And of course, the answer is yes. There's more to life than these things. Much more. You know, in verse 32, Jesus says, he mentions these questions of what we're seeking after, food and drink and what we'll wear. And he says, the Gentiles seek after these things. They work, they labor, they hope, they dream. For what? You know, how they can keep up with the latest fashion trends. How they can afford that new set of clothes, that, those new shoes, that new car. Or maybe, yeah, how they'll put food on the table, how they'll provide for their family. And maybe they have a job now, but they're anxious that, you know, something could happen. And, and I better set aside money and a lot of it because I don't know what could happen. There's financial insecurities that run deep and that can cripple us, causing us to live in fear and anxiety. But Jesus wants us to know that there's so much more to live for. So much more than just, than just putting more money in the bank. Than just meeting our physical needs. And Jesus begins to give us the key to unlock the handcuffs of worry in, this, in these verses. He wants to free us from the cruel grip of anxiety about these earthly things. And he does so by pointing us to the God who provides for the birds and who clothes the wildflowers of the field with beauty that even King Solomon in all his magnificent wealth could not rival. He points us to our Heavenly Father in faith. And this is point number two. Jesus knows the anxiety that grips us. And he comes to us, and he wants us to think about certain things. He wants us to turn our attention to certain things around us. To look around, and then to look up, and to consider the God who rules over all of these things and provides for the birds and for the flowers. Now, Jesus doesn't merely just tell us, hey, don't be anxious. You know, just get over it. That's not his attitude at all. He wants us to think, to consider. He says, first of all, look at the birds of the air. Look at the birds of the air. Do you ever slow down, turn off the TV, and maybe look out the window and just watch the birds for a little while? Maybe go on a walk out down a trail somewhere and just listen to the birds singing. I was on a walk this morning and I, I heard this woodpecker pounding away at, at a tree. And I just, I, I kind of stopped and I looked around and I, I spotted him way up there in this tree, just pounding away like a jackhammer at this tree. And I was thinking, man, if I was a woodpecker, I mean, if, if, if this woodpecker wasn't specially designed for that, 
he'd be dead. He'd have a concussion. This thing just, yeah. But, but God specially designed that woodpecker and provided him with a way to get his food. And he provided that woodpecker food to eat. You know, Jesus would have been preaching this sermon in the great outdoors. You can imagine maybe some birds resting on a tree over yonder. And maybe they're flying overhead, singing their cheerful songs. And if you, if you watch the birds, they typically don't seem to be worried creatures, fretting and worrying and being anxious. Their songs are generally cheerful and happy. And yes, they go about and they, they catch their food, but they're not stressing over it because the father in heaven provides for them think about throughout the course of history the the life of birds has not been dependent upon us human beings have not fed birds for centuries and birds don't exist today because we've kept them alive i mean we've i would bet that probably humans have killed more birds than, than we've kept alive. Ain't that right, Brother Shelby? <laughs> um, but, but the birds are alive today because their maker has also, in his providence, provided them food to eat since the beginning of time. The worms, the, the wild berries, the bugs, the Lord has provided for them. Each and every day, he provides for the birds. And if God cares about birds, and if he's cared about them for so long and so faithfully, each and every day for thousands of years, how much more does he care about his own children? That's what Jesus says here. Are you not of more value than they? How much more does the Father in heaven care about his own beloved children that he's brought to himself such a great cost as the blood of Jesus Christ. You know, when you buy something very expensive, most people, when they buy something very expensive, they're going to take good care of it. If, if Brother Mike goes out and spends a lot of money on a really nice gun, I'm pretty sure you're not going to pull up to his house and see it laying in his yard rusting the next week. He's going to take care of it. You know, and, and yet we as people, we can be forgetful. We can be neglectful. But God is not like us. Again, think about how he's cared for the birds. And think about how if we will take care of something that we've expended so much money or time or effort to get, how much more has God spent to bring us into his family? And do you think he's going to forget about us? Do you think he's going to just leave us off to, to rot away, to starve somewhere, to die? No. He cares about us. The Father in heaven cares about his children. How much more value are you than all the birds in this world, than all the birds that have ever lived? God cares about us as his children. But not only this, Jesus also calls us to consider the flowers of the field. Consider how they grow. Actually, pick some flowers. 
uh, this morning on my walk. So I don't know if you guys can see these very well, but I was just thinking, you know, Jesus tells us to consider the flowers. And so that's what I was trying to do. I went and picked some of these flowers and I was, I was looking at them. I was thinking about them. And Jesus says that the flowers, they don't toil and spin. Like they don't spend so much time and effort and money to try to clothe themselves in beauty. And yet, look at how beautiful these flowers are. Each one of these flowers was carefully designed by the great artist himself, from whom all beauty comes. And he made these flowers. These flowers were not grown in a garden somewhere. I picked them off by the side of the woods. God caused these flowers to grow. How many flowers this summer will be just mowed down, stepped on by an animal or by a person, totally forgotten, not even seen. And yet each one of them is carefully designed and carefully sustained by the hands of the maker of the universe. Each atom and particle of color that gives these flowers their beauty was made by God. And, and, you know, we just kind of step on his artwork, you know. We just walk around, we mow it down. Think about all the flowers that grow off in, in desert places and are never even seen by a human eye. God made such things. He made the flowers of the field. Don't be, you know, it, it's interesting. I was thinking, God can teach us such heavenly lessons from something so small that grows so close to the ground. You know, what, what lessons might we have to learn from nature around us that we just miss? But nature is an open book that is pointing us to God. And so Jesus encourages us, you know, stop, think, consider. You know, if you live in, in a neighborhood or in the city, I, and maybe you're wrestling with anxiety this week, I would encourage you, the weather's nice, spring is here, flowers are starting to bloom, the birds are singing, maybe take some time this week and leave your phone or, or turn it on Do Not Disturb and, and go out and, and take a walk if you can and just enjoy the beauty of nature and think about the God who sustains all of that, who made all of that. Think about what he says in, in verses like these, how much more he cares for us, for his own children. You know, Jesus said the flowers may be cut down and thrown into the oven. It sounds kind of odd to us, but it uh, seems like in ancient times they would have cut grass and dried it kind of like hay, and they would use that to maybe start fires, to cook their food on and to warm themselves. Flowers are here one day and gone the next, but we have eternal souls that God has loved and purchased by his own blood. How much more does he care about us? How much more will he see to it that we are clothed? Now, this isn't to say that we shouldn't, should quit our jobs and just sit around and do nothing. That's not what Jesus is talking about here. God has ordained that our needs should be met through the work of our hands. You know, he's, he's ordained that we should work and labor. And uh, the Bible says, you know, if anyone does not work, he shouldn't eat. 
Of course, some are not able to work and we should provide for them. But if we're able, we should seek to work with our hands that we may provide for our own needs and have something else to give to anyone in need. But having done so, let us not be anxious, wondering whether we've done enough, whether our needs will be met. Let's do what we've been called to do and trust God with the rest. Our Father will provide for our needs. He may not provide for what all we think we need, what all we might want, but he will provide for all that we truly need. He knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows our needs better than we know our own needs. And so, brothers and sisters, learn a heavenly lesson from a lowly flower this morning. You know, Jesus, whenever he, he's talking about anxiety here, he first of all causes, encourages us to think. Notice his tone here. Notice how he does this. He's not, he's not rebuking and saying, just don't be anxious. How dare you? No, he's, he's gentle. He's patient. He's seeking to coax us out of our anxiety, patiently, gently, tenderly. And yet he does say here in verse 30, he says, Oh, you of little faith. Oh, you of little faith. And this, this is insightful. It tells us something of the nature of, of anxiety. At, at the root of it, we're anxious because we don't see God for who he is. We don't recognize how powerful he is, how good he is, how loving he is, how worthy of our trust he is. And so we're anxious. And he says, oh, you have a little faith. And this is, this is really the, the sum of point number two. It's faith that frees us from the grip of anxiety by having our faith strengthened. That's where we need to go first and foremost. That's how we can learn not just to cope with anxiety, but to cure anxiety. It's by looking to the one who is all-powerful, our Heavenly Father. It's by having our faith strengthened. Now, notice here, he doesn't say, oh, you of no faith. He's talking to believers here, talking to those who have trusted in him, who have believed on him. And yet, even as Christians, even as we make our way to heaven, our faith can be mighty small. Now, again, like small faith is better than no faith. Many will be in heaven, not, and it's not because of the strength of their faith, but the one in whom their faith is placed. So if you are a believer here this morning, praise God for that. Praise God, you believe. And yet, when our faith is small, we're deprived of a lot of the comfort and the peace that we could have. We can kind of walk with a limp towards the gates of heaven instead of running with, with freedom and joy, with great faith. And so my encouragement to us this morning, if we're struggling with anxieties, to, to look to God and pray, Lord, increase my faith. I want to run. I want to be free to live the life that you would have me to live. Again, it's faith in our Heavenly Father, and having our faith increased and strengthened, that frees us from the grip of anxiety. 
But can you have this comfort this morning? Is, is the comfort here in this text for you? Is, and the answer is that it's not for everyone. The comfort here in this text is only for those who have God as their father. Only if God is your father can you look to a text like this and find comfort. Not everyone is, is a child of God. That's what the scriptures teach. Though God made all of us and all of us have value and dignity and worth, yet there's a special relational sense here in which we can call God Father. And as when Jesus came, he, it says of him in John 1.12 that it was to those who received him, who believed on his name, that he gave the right to become children of God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So listen, if you have not come to the Father through Jesus Christ, then you can't, you can't find comfort in these verses yet. Come to Jesus, and then, then you can call him Father, and you can be comforted by the truth in this text. If not... If you are outside of Christ, if you've not trusted in him for salvation, then God is not your father. And I can offer you no comfort this morning. And I might even encourage you, you should be anxious if you are outside of Christ. Because at any moment, your life could end. And you could be forever cut off from God, cut off from peace. Never again to see beauty. Never again to know joy or happiness or comfort but cast into the outer darkness where there's only weeping and gnashing of teeth. We should be anxious if we don't have salvation, if we have not trusted in Jesus Christ. We should fear. But let that fear drive us to the place where there is safety. Let the fear of the coming storm drive us to run to the storm shelter of Jesus Christ. And we will find the door wide open. He said, all who come to me, I will in no wise cast out. Come to him this morning. He has made the way open by his cross. God sent his only begotten son to die on that cross, to suffer the, the wrath and the penalty, the storm of justice that should have destroyed each one of us. He suffered there and died for us for sinners, so that we could be forgiven. Not to save the righteous, but to call sinners to repentance. And so if you are without Christ this morning, I plead with you, come to him. Don't comfort yourself in your lost condition, but come to Jesus and let him comfort your soul. Don't just try to cope, but come to him and find the cure to all of your fears. If you have any questions about that, please come and talk to me after the service. Talk to a church member. Only Christ can provide the comfort that will never be taken away. It's only through him that we can have a relationship with our Father in heaven and know him as our Father. Well, having believed in Christ, having received his Holy Spirit, we have every reason for comfort this morning. And that in closing, before we close, let me give a few words of application for us who are believers in the room, for us who have trusted in Christ and who may be limping along with, with anxiety 
with little faith this morning. Listen, if that's you, don't feel bad. Don't feel, don't feel like Jesus is angry with you. You're still his child. He still loves you. But he wants so much more for you. He doesn't want you to, to just limp through life like that. He wants you to know joy and peace and comfort. And that's why he gives us passages like this. But remember, anxiety, worry is, is more than just a, a chemical reaction in your brain. This has to do with our faith. This is a spiritual struggle. And we need supernatural help. That's what we need to really get to the root of it and find relief. So start by praying. As the disciples did, they prayed, Lord, increase our faith. Pray. Bring your anxiety to your Heavenly Father. Talk to another Christian. Ask them to pray with you about your anxiety and your worry. Unload your cares on the one who cares for you. But from there, consider, Jesus has given us some things to think about, some new thought patterns to take our eyes off of those circumstances and fears that trouble us onto the one who is sovereign over every circumstance that we will face, over every fear. So as I mentioned earlier, consider nature. Maybe take a walk this week and think about flowers. Think about birds. Watch them. And learn the lessons that God would teach you as you be still and listen to him with an open Bible in the world that he has made. It, it also helps to strengthen our faith when we know the promises of God clearly. It's one thing to know, you know, the Lord has promised good to me. And that's, that gives us a little bit of comfort. But it's another thing to have committed the promises of God to our memory. And when we are struggling, maybe wondering if, if God will still love us tomorrow, to be able to call to mind a passage like Romans 8 and to say, neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God and Christ Jesus our Lord. Boy, if you can call a passage like that to mind, that's, that provides a lot of comfort right there, to meditate on such words as those. So memorize the promises of God. Think about them deeply. You know, another thing that can cause us to, to struggle, even as Christians, is just not knowing God very well. You know, maybe, maybe our theology, our doctrine is a little weak. Maybe we don't quite understand how, how powerful God is, how sovereign he is over all of nature and even over, over evil. How, he, how even the devil is on God's leash and can't defeat God's purposes. Maybe we have a, have a weak view of God's love and his goodness We've not thought about how God has demonstrated his love to us so vividly in the cross of Christ. And having done that, will he not cease to, will, how will he not give us all things, as Romans 8 says? So I would encourage you, brother, sister in Christ, go to the word of God and find ammunition to shoot at that anxiety, 
fire away at it with Bible verses and with truth about who God is and who he is for us as his children. One last word of application for you who might be trying to comfort somebody else who's dealing with anxiety. Be patient with them. Learn how Jesus comforts. He's not harsh. He doesn't have an attitude of just just get over it. Come on. It's a sin to be anxious. That's not the way Jesus deals with those who are suffering. He's gentle and patient. He calls to our hearts and to our minds to look above and see how much he loves us and cares for us. So invite those who are struggling with anxiety to to cast their cares upon the one who truly does care for them. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord God, we come before you thankful that you do care for us, that you do love us. What more great sign of that, what what greater demonstration of that than the cross of Christ. Help us, Lord, to to keep our eyes on Calvary and to remember the empty tomb and to remember that you are reigning even now and you will return someday soon. But in the meantime, Lord, you've given us your own spirit. Help us, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.